Welcome to The Rabbit Room. I'm Andrew Peterson. For more information about the songs, writers, and artists featured here, please visit rabbitroom.com. Rabbit Room theme song composed and performed by Ben Shive. Eric Peters, an acclaimed singer-songwriter whose career has spanned more than a decade, just released his sixth solo album called Chrome. I've been a fan of Eric Peters' music for a long time, and I think his newest album, produced by the indignable Ben Shive, is not only perhaps his most accessible collection of songs, it's also his most personal. And for a songwriter who's long been known for bearing his soul, that's saying something. For this episode of the Rabbit Room Podcast, Eric's going to talk about each of the songs on Chrome. The stories of Chrome are largely born out of personal experience. Some are of close friends, some of inanimate objects such as bicycles (laughs) or onions. (laughs) Thank you. Sorry. (laughs) Take two. The stories of Chrome are largely born out of personal experience. Some are of close friends, some of inanimate objects such as bicycles or onions, even one of rabbit life. Even though many of them are third-person narratives, they are all my own to some degree. And in telling them, it is my belief that my story is partly yours, and perhaps the wealth of your story is mine as well. Frederick Buechner wrote, The story of any one of us is in some measure the story of us all. And it is in the telling of these stories that we afford another soul the key to discover or rediscover themselves in the gritty narration, potentially unlocking the shackles of long-held private miseries or praise. It is my hope that empathy breeds compassion and that you will listen to this record with ears open to these themes. song on the record is called Chrome. In 2004, during the Bookmark Tour, I, alongside Gabe Scott, lugged our guitars and suitcases down the damp sidewalks of Washington, D.C., on our way to catch the Metro Rail. We rode out to the Virginia suburbs and once there waited for our hosts to pick us up. I noticed an outdoor rack full of commuter bicycles chained in place for the duration of the workday, each awaiting the return of its respective rider owner. One bike in particular caught my eye, a formerly cheery red spectacle that had obviously been abandoned for several years, ultimately left to the whims of weather. Its seat and tires stolen, its chain limp and useless, the bike was a heap of rusting metal, no longer desired, needed, or valued. Where had the bike's owner gone? Why had that person abandoned it, never bothering to return or reclaim it? Here, I imagine myself as a Schwinn. In our most desert-like moments, perhaps we wonder the same of God. Where are you, Father? Will you hide yourself forever? Why do you not return for us? We ache for reclamation, to be made whole and new again with the chrome of heaven. So too are the psalmist's laments, sad in places, wearily hopeful, wondering at all the might have beens, yearning for what is to come, living within the guts of monotony. I was leaning by the wayside, a capital disgrace. Wheels of rusted spokes and a heap of metal weights. I used to weave a legend through a ten speed world of fame. Commute through miles of 
traffic Way through wind and snow and rain But then one day it happened My rider never returned Chained to times revolving I'm a history Never learned Cause I want chrome for my heart God inside of men I won't crow I wrote you don't have the strength on the fifth anniversary of 9/11 there have been plenty of songs written on the subject some hyper tirades for war some jingoistic anthems some beautiful poems, some absurd in their vengeful plea. Philippians 4.8 advises us to meditate on the good, noble, decent, admirable, and lovely things of earth. I can only hope that my venture into the subject matter is a glance into the essence of who we are and that which we need out of life. We need each other. We need patience. We need grace. And we need hope and far nobler things in the efforts of man. We'll never know how deep it hurts to witness hell come swallow earth. The sky fell down and left a void it turned silence into static noise. To just a memory, I hope to have left a legacy and a living reminder to my two boys that even in my best attempts to love them without condition, I fell short. Because when it comes to unconditional love, there is only one who is able to follow through on such epic tasks. I should hope that my children in their adult lives remember their father as a compassionate, patient, and caring man, that they remember me as a forgiving, faithful man. And you, Remember the saint you are. Remember the ghost you used to be. Does that give you hope if you feel
came crashing down as both a cry and a homily. This song's chorus, perhaps the darkest exhalation I have yet allowed myself as a songwriter, is as seemingly hopeless as the dreams and aspirations I once had for my career, which once breathed so boundlessly. I imagine this song also as a benediction to my children, to you, dear listener, that somewhere in our journey from dust to dust is hope. It may not always be sitting ripe on the windowsill, ready for the taking, but it is there. And if my hope is in anything other than Messiah, then the language I speak is no more language than cacophony. And love is a cause for constant celebration. It binds and affords what our wallets cannot purchase. And hallelujah, it came to us first. So son, don't waste your words. Tune to a whim. Cast out your net and slowly drag it back in. Your catch may be small and your belly may burn. family of seven lost nearly everything they owned in a grueling year-long bankruptcy. During the process, my friend, long a follower of Jesus, disowned God, fighting deep bitterness at every turn his life took in those dark days of legalities, lawsuits, and loss. I empathized with such brutal honesty in the midst of a brutal tempest. Months later, standing in an aisle full of boat anchors at a large outdoor supply store, My friend related to me the entire story of his redemption, tears filling this giant man's eyes, of his terrible bouts with anxiety, God's refusal to let go of him during their conversations, and God's acceptance of my friend's hatred, but refusal of its power, instead showing up to reclaim a man's valuable heart, allowing the dry, withered, frustrated person inside to pass away, and to bring rebirth to that which Messiah himself had first begun. I've had chains wrapped around me for the last seven years. I crowned myself Messiah since Messiah was not near. I shook my fist at heaven. I told God to go to hell. There was so much that I had to say. I'd kept it to myself I had to tell you how I hated you that day I had to learn how hard it was for me to say It hurts even now to know those words came from my mouth
Is it right for you to be angry? God asked Jonah, as the man sulked beneath the sun's rays far from the gates of Nineveh. More personally stated, is it right for you to so arrogantly pretend that you have your life in perfect order before I, the I am, can do a merciful work through you, in a people, in an entire city? I am a dichotomy and a prodigal, giving thanks in one instance, cursing God the next for those things in my life I do not want. Even in my own desert cage, sulking and cursing him so foolishly and selfishly, my teeth-grinding sand, I failed to notice the dappled shade of the shelter tree growing above, a tree planted for me out of sheer silent mercy. Wisdom grows out of foolishness. I was dry and spiteful, I had built an altar there, I took shade beneath the Lord's leaf, where I time not allowing this chorus to resolve itself in a nice, tidy, Hollywood happy ending. Divorce, separation, and broken storylines are a common, if sad, part of life. These things happen every day to someone we know and love, even to those we never think it could or should happen to. There are no easy answers when they do occur. I wrote in the movies for some friends, a married couple, who separated and are, to my knowledge, still apart. Mirror paints a loathing picture Of my bloodshot red and guilty eyes And deep at night when I crawl to my fights And they get the best of me I can't blame anybody But I can't blame you Rundown is a direct and instant result of reading Richard Adams' 1972 novel, Watership Down. We live our lives fearful and as weary, cautious rabbits on an open heath, wary of anything that moves, ready to sprint from just about anything that does not sit well with us. I imagine Rundown, with a capital R and a capital D, as metaphor, 
a place of ultimate rest for the weariness in our soul. Chased from the rushes where it's tangled and dark It's not quite home, but you made it such We tired and hunting and the hounds at your heels The smell of virgin freedom, I'm sure of how it feels Out in the open you breathe freedom clean father-in-law passed away on Labor Day, September 1st, 2008, after months of treatment for cancer. We got an urgent phone call the previous afternoon. We hurriedly packed the car and drove all night from Nashville to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, into the gut of an impending storm to try and reach his bedside before the inevitable occurred. We arrived a cruel 30 minutes after his life ebbed away, having missed the chance to say a final goodbye. Three hours later, Hurricane Gustav roared across South Louisiana, sending our hometown into a state of emergency. Without electricity, and with the city under curfew, there could be no wake, no service, no final closure. Days after the storm, still unable to plan a funeral, I was in my mother-in-law's yard, chainsaw in hand, cutting away at fallen things and clearing debris. Anything to keep busy. I wrote this song in the front yard, grieving while I gathered and piled torn, ripped branches of once strong and sturdy pine and oak trees.
My wife challenged me to write this song based on our favorite poem, The Traveling Onion, by Naomi Shehab Nye. The onion, often the subject of disdain for irritable, unresponsive palates, sacrifices its pearly translucence into the depths of stews and gumbos alike. So many unappreciated things bring a variety of flavor, offering skewed perspectives that jostle our own. I like this. Very few people take to peeling and eating a raw onion like they would an apple. But slice that onion into pieces, saute it, add it to a soup, and wondrous things occur. Without it, that same soup is found lacking. It is my hope that my music, my career, possesses a similar humility, not domineering, far from prophetic, but adding hints of beauty to this world. For the sake of others, disappear. Would you ever score me if I made you cry? I've caused crocodile tears nearly all my life. You would too at the sight of knives, okay? Oh, oh, okay. Not an impulse buy in the checkout lane I never really meant to cause you pain Crackling paper on the washboard drain is my fame For others sake Sad to Watch You Wave is a song for my wife. For the days, she allows me the grace to be absent in order to carve out a career in music, to stubbornly fight the fight, and to provide for our family. Years ago, she and I traveled together from town to town, from show to show, spending untold hours in the car together. These days, I surely miss her bright presence in the passenger seat, keeping me company with both her conversation and her silence. This is a song for saying goodbye, for a lifetime of knowing and being known, and for the hope of being reunited again. You cry at the movies, at the drop of someone's tears. You are a lion to protect me all these years. I'm a suitcase in the window. And you're the kiss blown from the platform in the rain It's so sad, it's so sad to watch you wave It's so sad, it's so sad to watch you wave Goodbye Space. 
Do I?